This episode of Rebel Yell is brought to you by Topps, the name in collectible card trading. Right now, Topps has their Journey to the Last Jedi card set available with cards featuring uh, scenes from across the entire Star Wars saga, including our beloved Star Wars Rebels. So check them out at a retailer near you, or get on that Star Wars card trader app on your Android or iOS device now and start trading with friends. Topps, rediscover Topps, rediscover the joy of collecting. Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Lawson. And Erish Chernovice. And a few surprises along the way. And now. Disney Vault Talks, Rebel Yell. Take cover! Well, here we are. Rebels is back on your television screens, and Season 4 has gotten off to a pretty intense start as we delve more into the mystery, or we kind of have revealed to us the mystery of what the, the burden that Sabine had carried with her, and we jump right into... Uh, a story arc to, I don't know if it wraps it up, but it kind of gives us some good closure on our Mandalore situation. And uh, we welcome you to Rebel Yell to talk about all these things. My name is Steve Glosson, and along with me is the lovely, the talented, the powerful, Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. Hello. Uh, how you feeling? I'm good. You it's just... been forever yeah. since Rebel Yell, so... Let's do it. So we're back. We're back. I have quest- back. I have questions to ask back. you specifically about Welcome this. And back. What yeah, now? I have questions to ask you specifically about these episodes as we get into oh, it. Oh dear. Um, because okay. I, I well, it's it's figuring out timelines and stuff. But before we get into all that, uh, we have to bring in the old third man who uh, <laughs> didn't want me to change the way the intro was done, and uh, and a mic slider messed me up on this time. Uh, my brother from another mother, Eris Chernovice. What's happening, brother? I am the Empire. Sheev has shown me the way to true power. Oh, Sheev. <laughs> that dude was weird, man. Right down to Hi, his Hi, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Let's rebel yell. All right. Uh, look, uh, here's, here's my concern. I need both of you to get a little more fired up because our, 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 our guest tonight... Um, Who's always super enthusiastic? Oh, he's gonna bring the oh, energy. I mean, he's gonna we're have gonna, more energy than this both of Mr. Us. Excitement. I know we're gonna have to bring our energy level up to get to Pit where Bull's he's got at. Nothing on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Party rocking in the house tonight, everybody. Uh, from uh, wow, all the different things that he does. He's a prolific, prolific podcaster in his own right with Bad Wolf Radio. Uh, he does Star Wars Bookworms with Teresa. I can never hey, remember. Teresa, what's the name of the first podcast he's on? Hey, it's Bad, Bad Fox Radio. Bad Fox. <laughs> and uh, I can never remember the Freemaker Adventures name. 
Star Scavenger. Star Scavenger with uh, with uh, with with uh, Jonah Marie. Jonah Marie. Thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's greatest intro ever for my friend Aaron Goins. Hey, man. Hi. Great. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So basically, energy-wise, I'm carrying us. I get. I got it. I, I see. I see. What, I see what my role is. That was a very Ross from Friends high. Yeah, um, indeed. Indeed. I was thinking the exact same thing. Aaron, my Ross impression. Nice. Aaron, I have a question for you uh, that has nothing to do with Rebels. Right out of the gate, um, I saw recently uh, your trip to New York that Riley put you in his favorite place to take a picture of someone. Um, out, you know, with the backdrop of Times Square, <laughs> and uh, it looked like you were about to cry. Why did Riley almost make you cry? What did he do to you? I don't. Um, I don't remember. There was this. How about gr- the fact that he was with Riley. Oh yeah. come on! That might have been it. Yeah, it's, I was hanging out with maybe... Riley Blanton, and you know, it's kind of thinking of all the people I'd rather be hanging out with. Wow, Riley guys, so... Riley's not oh. here. Riley's not here. We're not... <laughs> or, or maybe. Oh, but he's probably listening somewhere. True. Maybe it was just. Wasn't that the night before all your stuff got stolen? That was. That maybe was then you. It was like that night, right? So maybe it was like you knew something was happening or uh, gonna so happen. Premonition. Really, yeah. It was really Riley's plot to distract you while all your stuff was getting stolen. Well, That's, I don't. I has don't. Anybody looked into Riley as a possible suspect hmm. in this robbery? <laughs> I don't really get into, I don't really do Twitter that much anymore. I kind of come on. I may, I may tweet one thing a day. Until the Han Solo movie title. Well, that was my one which thing. Which you're responsible for, by the way. I'm responsible for the Han Solo movie title. <laughs> yes. No, no, I did do my, I did do a thread on the Goliverse group. Yes, I know. But on the Han Solo movie title, I just said, "Well, this makes sense." That's all I said about that. Do you guys not like the Solo title? Um, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. Let's just not be creative at all. I'm indifferent, and you know. Boring, but whatever. Yeah, I like to say solamente solo. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm indifferent. I'm not. I mean, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not concerned one way or the other. But uh, Riley was taking pictures of everybody in front of Times Square, and um, Aaron is wearing a T-shirt that says "The Jedi Must End." And um, <laughs> and Riley says, "At Av Goins is about to smile, but you literally look like you're holding back tears." <laughs> <laughs> so I holding back to tears. Yeah. So I tweeted to Riley, um, "Cheer up, Aaron. You're I tweeted both of you. Cheer up, Aaron. You're with Riley all is well. Have set. He's safe. Don't cry." And um, and then I said, can we talk about how anyone who remotely knows Riley needs to go to where he is? He will be happy to take a picture of you there. Because there were only like a dozen pictures he took of people in that same location. <laughs> and so, and what I wanted him to ultimately do was um, take pictures of that, take a picture of that background, just start Photoshopping everything into it. Dogs, flowers, his lunch, everything. And then, and the, my initial reaction to your picture though was, "Are you sure he's smiling? It looks like he's about to cry. He must be excited about that Thrawn sequel." <laughs> so, or Porgs, or Porgs. Oh yeah, I'm sure you're. Now, have you caught Porg fever, Aaron? We hadn't really. Oh, no. You and I haven't talked no. about Porgs. 
No, I I am in the minority of people that don't understand the hype about Porks. Mm. Oh no, you're not. I you, you and I are on the same train. Brother. Okay, good. Yeah, it yeah it's it baffles me. It literally baffles me. Teresa, do you want to explain the hype? We've had the conversation. Okay. With yeah. I don't I, I don't want to hear it. Again. I mean, well, for just for that, Porks <laughs> are great because. They are small and cute and have big eyes and look like they're Chewy's new best friend, and they make cute t-shirts. Not like their fur makes cute t-shirts or their feathers, <laughs> but like on the Tea Turtle website, there's some really cute t-shirts. Okay, there's no porgs and rebels. Well, all I'm going to say is if Han Solo were still alive, he'd never let a porg in his cockpit, ladies and gentlemen. So, are you stealing my lines now, huh? Wait, I no, you didn't say that. I said that. Uh, okay, go back and listen to Geek Out Loud. Uh, but I tweeted that. <laughs> I tweeted that. That's one of the one tweets I said. I don't, I don't think. I don't remember you saying that, Irish. Did I just steal a line from Irish? Irish, I'm sorry. It's okay. How? How about season four getting off to a very auspicious start, ladies and gentlemen? Should we start over? I feel like we should start over. <laughs> we finally get to talk to you about the episode that we saw at Celebration. That was that was my like, question. Seventy-two months later, we finally get to talk to you about it. That was my question. Is this? Did you guys see this at Celebration? We, we saw, saw the, the first one. Part. Okay. And Aaron, you were there as well. I was. Yes. Okay. Was this part of Magical Friday? Did this no, happen on Friday? This was Saturday. Okay. Uh, was it Saturday? Yeah, they have. They yeah. always did Rebels on Saturday. Yeah, it was the Rebels panel, and then they showed us the episode afterwards. Okay. After we were all crying because Dave announced that this was the final. Season. Oh, that's right. He's like, he's like this, this is the end. Episode. But I brought you an episode. Oh yay! <laughs> crying, crying, crying. <laughs> episode in the world. So <laughs> yeah, that uh, yeah, it ended on a, on quite the downer, didn't it? Um, Aaron, it was awesome. let me start with you, Aaron. How do you feel like, uh, Heroes of Mandalore, these first two episodes, how do you feel like they, they worked as a season premiere for this final season? Um, I think it worked well. I, I really enjoyed the story and kind of finding out more about Sabine's history and more about Mandalorians. It's always fun to watch Mandalorians, um, and Jedi hanging out together. So, yeah, it was a fun, there was definitely some kind of downer type moments, but, you know, there were, there were a lot of high points too, and a lot Mm -hmm. of fun stuff happened in it. So I thought it was a fitting start to the final season of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to kind of jump around, of course, you know, the the two part episode, the first part, uh, the, the show synopses for both these was the Rebels work with the Mandalorian clan Wren to free Sabine's father from the clutches of the Empire. Then part two, Sabine had learned that a devastating weapon the Empire is using against the Mandalorians is derived from a prototype that she designed. She has to decide whether or not to destroy it or use it herself. Um, Teresa, as we get into these episodes, I don't know. I know we've talked briefly in the past. Refresh my memory on how you feel about the Mandalorians. I love Mandos. Okay. Mando power. Mando power. I do not like Imperial Mandos. They're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I like cool Mandos with like cool armor and stuff. 
Although I'm starting to have a really big problem with Sabine's armor, I noticed. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because her chest plate thing is like super tiny small. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't touch any of the rest of her armor. And if you look at all of the other Mandalorian armor, there's gaps, but not as big as hers. Yeah. It's like she's grown, but her little Mando chest piece and everything else has stayed the same. And so she got bigger and that gap got bigger, you know? Hmm. Yeah. I'm not gonna... It's for speed and comfort. I don't, I don't like I don't get it. Like she's, I don't feel like she's safe. It's like they're, it's like those things are accoutrements on a wetsuit or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how did, how, how satisfying were these episodes for you as someone who digs Mandalorians as maybe being the wrap up to the story of the Mandalorians for us? Well, I like this because Dave had said that rebels was going to be this final season everything was going to flow into the next thing so it was going to be like a continuous serialized show and they were going to come at us like hard and heavy and that's exactly what they're doing from season three into season four it's like a full continuation and there's no breaks like we've had you know where it's like okay we're starting with the ghost crew but now they're part of the rebellion i think at the beginning of season three Mm -hmm. now it's just sort of this continuation and i really like that and i'm really glad that we got to see the mandalorians because i love everything that has to do with them and also getting to see bo katan come back and just you know it was good Mm -hmm. and i wonder if they'll play any more of a role further down the line um that's what i'm asking i mean have have we kind of wrapped things up do you think with with the mandalore I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be back. I hope okay. they're back. All right. Well, if if we go back to the episode last season where uh, where they encouraged Sabine to train with the dark saber, kind of, Hera's whole point was that if Sabine was able to unite the Mandalorians, they might be a valuable asset to the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, that makes me think that we haven't seen the end of the Mandalorians yet. Right. Okay. And, and we kind of got a little bit of that again in the first part of this two-part episode, the one scene with Hera in it where, you know, she's, she's talking to Kanan and she basically says, this is why Mon Mothma agreed to allow you guys to go help them. You know, they're... It, it, it kind of hints that the rebellion's expecting something in return. Yes, right. Um, and the the other thing that happens, I think, in this episode, Arish, and and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I have I took upon myself something that Arish said as mine own, and that is, if Han were alive, he wouldn't let those. No, 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 that's all right. Let it go. No, I'm not. I'm clearing it up right now. Arish said no, it to we us. We don't need to. People are already tweeting that. Yeah, Arish said it in a text um, to us. So I'm sorry, Arish. I didn't mean to steal your line. I thought I had I I, I ascribed that to myself, and I was wrong in doing so. It was a mistake. Steve on my said part. it. I'm happy with Steve. No, saying no, Arish said it. <laughs> let the poor hate go. Let the people who, who hate me for saying that go to Steve instead. <laughs> um, 
Last season, Eric, one of the things that kind of began to happen, and, and Dave Filoni has talked about the fact that the Ghost Crew is the family that we're following, and they are a family. Uh, but one of the things that began to happen when Sabine goes to Mandalore, um, and even when Ezra went off on his own, you know, to track down Maul and that sort of thing, is there there seemed to be some cracks in the family, not in a bad way, but just almost as people were growing and the doing babies their babies are growing up, right? Groans, then they're groans, then they're groans. Is is this episode, is this season premiere with, of course, uh, Hera and Zeb weren't there. They're they're off with the rebels still, but with the with Sabine handing things off to uh, Bo-Katan and, and that sort of thing, is this kind of the family, the foreshadowing of the family being back together for us? Are we... I think so. Yeah. I think so. They're not going to go a whole season with Sabine on Mandalore and the rest of the Ghost crew off rebelling wherever they're rebelling. Mm-hmm. I think that... I think the point of the end of this was Sabine giving the Darksaber to Bo-Katan was okay Bo the mantle is now yours unite the clans um and then Sabine can go back off and back to the rebellion and do what she was doing okay yeah mm-hmm. I, I kind of sense I, I sense the same thing um I just thought it was really interesting that uh you know that I really thought last season was the beginning of the end and then of course you know we're told that this season is the final season and I kind of expected the ramifications of everything to come out that we may see the family back together, but they're still going to end up going their own separate ways and that sort of thing. Um, Aaron, what what did you like about this episode or these episodes? What didn't you like? What, what kind of got you going with this one? Well, talking about kind of uh, Sabine reuniting with the Rebels and giving up the kind of giving up the Darksaber, I'm actually kind of sad that she's not going to have that anymore because seeing her flying around with the Darksaber and fighting with it was is such a cool visual. Yeah. And all the training that she did with Kanan to kind of learn how to use it, and then now she just kind of just handed it off. So it's, it is kind of sad that she's losing that, but I am mm-hmm. happy that she's kind of back, back with the family, like you guys were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there was a ton in this episode – a ton of stuff that I really liked. I always like anything that has to do with Kanan being a really awesome Jedi, and he had some really cool moments. One thing that did stick out to me as a negative, though, was all the Ezra jetpack stuff. Oh, really? It's like, get like, over it already. Huh. <laughs> get over it? That, no! Like, he needed to get, like, they played on that gag too much. I feel like by the second part, he should have figured out how to use it. Oh, yeah. I thought you were telling me to get over it. Sorry. No. Uh, yeah, you get over it. <laughs> I'm like, well, fine. <laughs> I mean, he was getting progressively better at it. I, I felt like they just played it a little too long. Mm-hmm. It was too 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 long of a gag. Um, can it I just, got a little silly. Can I just point out one little thing with the jetpacks? I love that Bo and Sabine are both wearing jetpacks, but they take the elevator up to the Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> They could have just flown up, but they fly the jetpack onto the elevator and then ride it up to the Duchess. And then Ezra does the same thing. But wasn't that clo- wasn't that area closed in? There's still the hole that the elevator platform goes, so you just fly through it. I guess. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, it was. It was shielded, obviously. Mm. 
in-universe explanation. Okay. Yes, there you go. I just I felt like it was because it was an enclosed, it was a whole other room, and they didn't want to leave a big gaping hole for someone to fall into. You know, safe. it's possible. Look, as Aaron said, there is probably a very valid in-universe explanation. I just found the optics of it rather amusing. I didn't even so. pick up on it. I'm, that's why let's I'm glad to have you around. I don't fly, pick up on stuff like that. Let's fly our jetpacks to the elevator platform and ride it up. On the, but, you know, I did like the line that Bo-Katan had to Ezra when she said, a Mandalorian with a jetpack is a weapon. Mm-hmm. I was like, hee <laughs> yeah. Except the Mandalorian in itself is a weapon. Ezra had a funny line in response, though, because he was like, I'm not a Mandalorian. I don't <laughs> he said, wanna, I don't, I don't want to I don't be, wanna be a Mandalorian. <laughs> like, it was almost like he was questioning, like, maybe I do. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, Ezra did get to do something pretty B.A. in and of himself when he's, like, leaping from uh, falling Imperial transport to falling Imperial transport. You know, when, when, the, when they go over the cliff, a la Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Um I mean that was a pretty cool that, that that was that reminded me a lot of sorry Teresa to bring this up the Mace Windu moment um, from the the Siege on Ryloth episodes when when he comes in in that final part of that and and the bridge goes out underneath him and and he uses and he leaps from like battle droid to battle droid as they're falling to get across the the chasm there um, it was a real I thought that was a really cool moment to kind of show us. That is how far Ezra has progressed, you know, that he strapped the backpack onto Sabine's dad and, uh, and, he, and he went ahead and took it upon himself to, to jump on up out, off the cliff as best he could. Right? Am I wrong? Right? Yeah, Ezra had some really cool moments. Um, a lot of the, just his ability with the lightsaber and deflecting laser blasts and all that kind of stuff, he, the visuals in the show are always great when it comes to the Jedi. Um, it, Rebels does such a good job of showing kind of the height of uh, of a Jedi's power, and we get to see both Ezra and Kanan display that all throughout this episode. Um, and the whole backpack thing, the jetpack thing, where I was kind of like, why is he even using this jetpack? Because he obviously ha- doesn't know how to use it well enough to not make himself just a distraction <laughs> to everyone else and a danger to everyone else. But then when he had to give the back the jetpack to his to uh sabine's father so he had a way out then i was like okay now it makes sense why he had it with him but he got it back for that next episode i do have a question though how was kanan moving around with everybody because i feel like i never saw him in a shot he just was magically there (laughs) i showed up somehow (laughs) well the the indiana jones tank sequence like he is like in front of the convoy and it kind of meets like they drive into him basically right but but when and, they're and flying just, around in part two does he have a jetpack or does he just use his jedi powers to no, fly he, had a jet pack. he did okay yeah. i just missed it <laughs> yep what kanan had a jetpack mm-hmm. are you sure yeah, I don't remember they all, I... they all flew into the star destroyer and then they all flew out was was Chopper at, at the Star Destroyer? No. Okay, so he didn't fly with Chopper. I thought maybe he might have held on to Chopper and Chopper flew. So no, in he the, had a jetpack. In the second episode, he had a jetpack. Yeah. Okay, but in the first episode, he did not. No, he didn't in the first one. And no, not in the first one, because he was on the ground in the first one. Did we yeah. ever... Did we yeah, ever he did... was driving 
the speeder bike. Like after they rescued the father and went to where the Duchess had gone off, like he drove a speeder bike to that. Right. Yeah. Let's and let's not let's not forget Kanan's blind doing all this. Using the force. Yeah, but he's channeled yeah. the force. Mm-hmm. So but here's my question. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Why does Kanan wear the visor thing? Because his weird eyes would make people uncomfortable. He doesn't know he's got weird looking eyes. <laughs> Someone, I did. Harris always... probably Harris probably told him, "Dude, your eyes look weird now." I'm why sure does Why does the one-eyed pirate wear a patch? Yeah, what I always about? thought he just wore it to cover up the scars. Okay, it just looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah, it though? Yeah, except he's not wearing it in the poster for Rebels that came out for season four. You can see his weird, weird, goofy eyes. He's not weird eyes. He has scars on his eyes because he got injured yeah, by a he Sith. Took a lightsaber across the face. In but the face. He, yeah, I think you're right. He does. There are times where, in in uh, like in the poster, he doesn't have it on, and, and there's plenty of times in the show that he's taken it off. I think that's kind of his like chill out. You know, I'm just relaxing. You know, but when he goes into battle, usually he throws it on. And yeah, like a like, piece of his like armor or something. Ezra wearing the biker scout helmet. He doesn't really need to wear that. Right. You know, half the time he's flipping the lid up to, to look, you know, even though it's probably got like binoculars or whatever, and he's still flipping it up to look. So I think he's he's just wearing it because he likes wearing it. And we got a great Hera Kanan moment with uh, Hera on the, you know, calling in to check up on them. Oh, Kanan was breaking out the flirting there, wasn't he? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. starting to kind of be like, I don't know, like, because this season is supposed to be the season where they're going to kind of seal the deal as far as the whole, like, space married thing. So you can already see the signs of, of that coming. Well, and a great little chopper moment there, too. Chopper's like, just kind of like, room. oh, enough of this already. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what love is. <laughs> I just, I got to say, I got to say something. The one thing that really stood out to me as I was rewatching these again the other day, like my junior high school self would be going nuts over an hour long Mandalorian story. Hmm. You know, this is exactly the kind of stuff that me and my friends, when we'd be having lunch in the library because that was our safe place to geek out at school, we'd be sitting in the library eating our lunch, we'd just be nerding out over what were the Mandalorian Wars like, what was this like, what was that like, but just the whole image of, like, the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian Wars, like, Back in, like, the early 80s, like, this was all, like, the stuff of myth. There wasn't really anything out there yet. So it was, like, all just our our just fan imaginations coming up with what the stuff was like. And that, that I just kept thinking about that. Like, oh, me and my friends would have loved this. And I did love it. Mm-hmm. But that, like, you know, 30, 40 years later, whatever it is, that we're actually getting these kind of stories now. Yeah. Just, like mind blown loved it yeah i and i'm a little bit different in that the the mandalorian thing never really took off with me i'm i'm more about let's get into the to the mythology of the jedi and 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 learn more about the force and all that good stuff um more so than uh 
than, than the Mandalorian side of things. Um, Wait, we got we got to point out. Sorry, Lauren Keen in the, the the chat. She is correct. Chopper was at the Star Destroyer. He was helping Kanan erase the files. Oh, uh, that's right. Ha, that's right. Then Thank maybe you, he flew on Kanan. Maybe uh, no, maybe Kanan grabbed him. Kanan. All right, I'm gonna bring the episode up. Maybe Kanan flew holding him. I remember Kanan having a jetpack, but I could be wrong. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna fire it up right now as we're talking. Okay, but great. thank you, Lauren, for pointing out my mistake. Hashtag Mando for life. Yeah. All right. Uh, my, I, mom yeah. Says, my mom says Kanan had a jetpack. Mama Lowe says Kanan had a jetpack. <laughs> she would know. She's been homesick watching this probably like two or three times today. You so. know. As I recall, that's an intergalactic folk song. If I had a jetpack. Um, anyway. Uh, what? Well, the, listen, the joke died on the vine. Go listen. It's, to, the, it's the, what, Peter, Paul, and Mary song? Yeah, If I Had a Hammer. Um, if I had a jetpack, mm -hmm. I would fly in the morning. <laughs> exactly. I would fly in the evening. All over this galaxy. The only Peter Paul and Mary song I know is Peach Dragon, or Puff the Magic. Oh, I was gonna dragon. say, I think get, he... get working on it, Shaz. Long Dragon. If I had a jetpack, Shaz. <laughs> Great, here we go, and yeah, and then we can actually get Stephanie to work for us on season All right, four. Stuff. I got it right here. Kanan is wearing a jetpack. All right, I'm. Them, by the way, just, just pulled up a picture, a screenshot. Kanan's wielding a lightsaber with a jetpack strapped to his yeah. back. And Chopper flies on his own. No Kanan riding him. Mm -hmm. Kanan had his own jetpack. All right. Well, there we that go. That is now that we spent 15 minutes on Kanan's mm -hmm. jetpack. Um, so this <laughs> this weapon that Sabine has built, Aaron, that she that she developed, I should say, uh, made the made the prototype for. It basically targets Mandalorian armor, which gets called. Um, Beskar. Beskar. Beskar armor. Is Beskar the type of metal, or is it the name for the type of armor? This is from the Republic Commando novels uh, written by Karen Travis, who she's got to be happy that her stuff's being brought back into the canon. Um, no comment. Um, uh, but is that, is that the type of metal, or is that just the name of the armor? It's an alloy they use okay. for that specific armor, All so right. it's it's a Beskar alloy. Mm -hmm. I actually was pretty excited to hear that term used, just because that was such a common term you heard, you know, in the old legends novels. Right. So for yep. them to pull that in the canon, I was like, oh wow, that's pretty cool that they actually use that. Yeah, that's what that's why I went to you on this because I knew that you you'd have some expertise in that area, with with that situation. Um, <clears throat> this okay is. Here's my, okay, so book people, that'd be all three of you. This is my question. I remember Stormtrooper armor being made of something called plastoid, right? Or plasteel? Which one is it? Nobody? Well, I've heard it, I would say plastoid is a term I've heard used to, to talking about Stormtrooper armor. I don't know if that's still what you guys use in the books and stuff. I don't know that we've in in the canon novels now. I don't know that we've even used that term yet. Okay, that's, yeah, I feel that's like what... there is. I remember in the Force Awakens um, visual guide, there was a term that they used that was different than plastoid. Okay, all right. 
Good. That they so I'm not I have to I'd have to go to my bookshelf which is too far away. But okay. and I think plasteel is that's like glass. Okay. Transparent steel. Oh, transparent steel, that's it. According but they're not always consistent holy with the nerds. Well, <laughs> well because <laughs> because I'm coming We can talk about freshers if you like. Yeah. Well, because or I'm calf. coming or calf. <laughs> yeah. Nice, well, because I'm coming well, to th- this is nerf the point of nerf stew. This is the point I'm coming to. I don't, I I understand how that weapon worked, but suddenly it started to work weirdly. I mean, I know she switched it to go after a different alloy, you know, that would be the t- the stormtrooper armor, but like it suddenly just started going after everybody with the storm. Like, I mean, it even zapped Ezra on the head and everything. And I, well, it, he's wearing. Well, yeah, it was all the Imperials wearing the Imperial but, armor. But all, yeah. but it had the range to do it all over the ship. Yeah, because she yeah. wanted her to increase the power, increase the range. Okay. Yeah. Can we just talk about the... that for a minute, though, please? Because if this thing needed so much work or whatever, and then Sabine walks up there and she's like, "Okay, let me open up my arm thingy and then punch button thingy and 10 seconds later done." Either Sabine's amazing and she, she can do anything or <laughs> she can. That thing didn't really need her to do. <laughs> Anybody could have done it. Yeah, I didn't I agree with <laughs> Teresa. That was kind of, that kind of stood out to me too. I think for the convenience of them moving the story along is why it was so simple. But yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like none of their scientists could have figured that out. Cause she literally did it in three seconds. Well, and also how trusting, uh, sorry, what was his name? Tiber Saxon was that, okay, I'm just going to let you reprogram this whole thing and believe that you're going to do exactly what I asked you to do. You know, even when she's playing around with her own gauntlet pad, yeah, here, let me just let you plug into my thing. Yes. What? Mm, let's talk about Tiber Saxon. Tiger uh, Saxon. Step away from that and talk about Because this dude kind of weirded me out. Teresa, did he strike you as a little bit crazy? Uh, Yeah, and his last name was very fitting. I'll just, you know, I mean... Well, he's related to Gar. Isn't he Gar's brother? I know, but like he was even he, you know the the never mind. Anyway, but yes, I think he's his brother or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems like a lunatic, especially when he was like the empire. The emperor has shown me the way, and people will follow me. And I'm like, who are you? Nobody even knows who you are, Tiger Saxon. Well, that's the worst Mandalorian ever. He's literally the worst, and. He- he even gave up the armor. Like, he was not even wearing any Mandalorian armor. He was only wearing trooper armor. And okay. who, but if you're a true Mando, you don't get out of your armor because you're a Mandalorian. You know, unless, you to... unless you've built a weapon that is going to cook anybody wearing the true Mandalorian armor. That was smart of him not to wear it. It was smart of him, but... If he had been wearing it, just... it, he wouldn't have been able to turn the thing on. But I, I love the scene with Thrawn because when Thrawn shows up, and he's talking to this guy, and this guy's all cocky about what you know his accomplishments. And Thrawn's like, "How would your people feel about you turning your back on them? Oh, and yeah, like, that was what right. they believe in, and like the fact that the armor is so important to them." And he, sure, it was smart for him not to wear the armor, but his right hand man was still wearing the armor, and all of his guys were still wearing the armor. He was the only one, which made him look more cowardly. Yeah, and I love that Thrawn called him out on it. How do you think? Yeah, how do you think Thrawn felt about old Tiber Saxon, Erish? 
I, I don't think he thought very much of him at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I, I think I think he saw him as like a tool that was going to be around for five minutes, and then he, then he'd need to replace it. Well, Thrawn did show up in this episode to have that conversation with him, so you know what that means. Thrawn needs to I watched the video the other day. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I did I'm too. Still laughing. I, this will never get old for me. Yeah, if we know, if you wonder what we're talking about, Stuffity at Stuffity on the Twitter made a video for us of Tron of Thrawn training to that song, and it's still up on YouTube. You can find his YouTube channel, and uh, I also posted it at, uh, in the blog. Just scroll down through some of the past posts of the blog at geekoutonline.com, and you can see uh, a link there and an embedded video to to what we what we're talking about there. Um. Let's talk Bo Katan. I I just felt like let me say real quickly. I felt like Tiber Saxon seemed a bit off, like just like he'd gone a little bit cuckoo. He had yeah. he had that that kind of deranged bad guy feel to me. Uh, not and, and that's not saying bad or, or good, but um, he's someone that definitely unstable is the word I'm looking for. He seemed very unstable. Well, he probably grew up as like playing second banana to his brother who was a lot better leader than he was and he's only got this opportunity now because his brother's not around anymore well Mm -hmm. in in his talk about the emperor showing him the way also to me made him seem delusional because i doubt this guy's had an audience with emperor palpatine so no there's no way so i feel like he's he's i feel like he's that guy that watches tv and thinks they're talking to him specifically (laughs) But before we before we move on from the Imperials, though, there is an appearance by somebody that I feel like I have to mention. Okay. Um, Captain Hark is voiced by Andrew Cascino, and I, that makes me so excited because he was Saw Gerrera in the Clone Wars, that's and he right. finally got his way back into Rebels. So I was like, hooray! Now that guy, that's the dude that kind of had the the white Boba Fett prototype armor on, mm-hmm. yeah, with the weird teeth at the bottom of the helmet. It, yes, I think so. Okay, yeah. Um, you think we'll see him come around again? I don't know. I, I don't know, but I was just really happy. I, I yeah, I don't know that we'll see him. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't surprise me if like he comes up and he becomes another fulcrum type person for a minute, you know, until he. But he he also seems a little inept to me, the character. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Um, Bo-Katan is back. Of course, Katie Sackhoff was doing her voice, providing the voice of Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan is an interesting character because, you know, when we saw her in Clone Wars, she was opposite sides of her sister, the Duchess Satine. And, you know, when Satine dies and everything kind of goes, uh, just messed up in a big, bad way, uh, in a way, I think we left, if I recall correctly, because I haven't watched those episodes in a while, but I recall kind of leaving Bo-Katan having seen the light, so to speak, and and kind of tilting back to someone that we could rally behind. And here she is, she's full-on uh, rallyable, if you will. Uh, Teresa, Bo-Katan's journey, how do you feel about it? You happy with it? You good to go? Uh, too easy? Has it been? Do we we have no idea what's going on for eighteen years, so we don't know if it was too easy or not. What where we stand with Bo? I don't know. I mean, I like Bo Katan as a character, 
but I don't, I'm not as attached to her as other people are. I think it's cool that she's back. I think it's cool that she's finally taking up as being the leader of her people. I think all of that is really neat. I think it's cool they brought the character back. I think they brought her back in a way that fit the story. They didn't just throw her in there for no reason, which I think is important, you know, when Mm -hmm. they're bringing back Clone Wars characters. But I'm sort of indifferent on her being there. Uh, I'm hoping, I guess what I'm hoping is that if we see the Mandalorians again, that we see her back and maybe some sort of, I don't know, really strong role maybe with Finn uh, with Finn Rao I don't know something but like I'm gonna need more in order to have any attachment to her because I've never really had one other than like she's kind of cool yeah I kind of feel the same way but that's just kind of my general detachment toward Mandalorians altogether but Erish that last scene when Sabine hands over the Darksaber and everyone you know throws out their clan name and it's like we stand with you we stand with you had a real fun, almost Lord of the Rings kind of feel, you know, you yes. bow to no one kind of thing. Um, Erich, where do you stand with old Bo? I have no issues with her. I think she's going to be a good leader for the Mandalorians. And I think that she will be... I think she'll be someone who is open to working with the Rebels. Just from her experiences with <clears throat> Obi-Wan and Anakin you know, during the Clone Wars and and her history and knowing how... I mean, she's someone who I think will be trusting of the Jedi because her sister was trusting of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And we got... We actually did get... They did fill in some of the, the blanks as far as her history goes, just with a couple lines. Uh, they were talking about how the Jedi... Because there's a lot of what ha- what was supposed to happen in the Clone Wars that we never got to see because it just the show got canceled too early. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of plans for the story, and I know they were going to go back to Mandalore. There was going to be more going on and kind of seeing what happens with Mandalore. And just in a couple lines in the show, they fill us in that when the Jedi ultimately were able to retake Mandalore, they are the ones that handed over power specifically to Bo-Katan. So she would have some sort of a, a, a relationship with the Jedi and be trusting in them because they have already established trust with her yeah. and given her power. Um, but she wasn't able to retain that power, and the Imperials came in and took over, and that's why she kind of feels like she failed her people. So I, And that was all kind of expressed to us in a matter of like three sentences in, in the dialogue. But I thought that was really cool filling in that, that gap in history. Okay, then that's something, in the way I had to watch this episode, that's something I missed out on. So she's carrying a certain weight of guilt into these episodes, but also she's also carrying, she's also kind of already a rebel. She's already kind of fomenting a rebellion of her own for Mandalore. Well, additionally, too, there's that fantastic scene with her and Fen Rao where the two of them are talking about Sabine. And we see Sabine... Like, you know, at the display panel, kind of explaining what the attack plan is going to be to everybody mm-hmm. as the two of them are talking. And the conversation is all about how Bo has come around to to accepting Sabine again. Because Sabine is basically an outcast with all the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. And Bo is a large reason why 
you know, she's being accepted back in. Um, and because of that, I think that, excuse me, that's yet another reason that, that Bo leading, uh, maybe not all of the Mandalorians, but a large number of the clans could wind up being a willing ally to the rebellion and, and, you know, the coming war against the empire. Yeah, and you know, Teresa, that's something I didn't really think about with the story of Sabine. I, I kind of keep forgetting that she's the outcast from Mandalore, that she's been dishonored, and that and that comes up when she faces her father for the first time in ages, and of course, as, as Ares talks about with Bo-Katan, but Sabine really has had this journey um, that I don't even think we recognized early on, even, even though some of these things... You know, when you read the the trivia stuff, it's in it was in the character bible and everything that she would be, you know, that this whole direction was res- directly responsible for this, you know, the stuff that the Empire was doing early on, and and even back when in the first season when we find out she'd gone to the Imperial Academy and that sort of thing, um, it 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 was a thing where you knew something was going on, but you didn't realize how deep it went until I guess the training episode with Kanan. And that kind of comes full circle. But here we even find out once she met back with her family and everything, we find out she'd kind of lived in dishonor, but because of that dark saber situation, she pulled herself up from the ashes. It's really a, they, they kind of snuck in a really cool hero's journey with Sabine on us over the past four seasons. Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you, I know I I started out and I was like, well, Teresa, comment on this. And I'm like, I'll comment on it myself, I guess, since I'm just running my mouth. And then I heard your cat attack you. So I tried to save you. I, I thought to... I heard a cat in there. Yeah. Yeah, there was a cat. No, you I know. I thought that was Aaron smiling for a minute. Well, I say all that because to me, Teresa, Sabine has been one of my least favorite characters on this show um, because it always seems like. Like like until that episode with Kanan where she finally breaks down and lets her walls down, it was like she could do no wrong. She's good at everything. Um, you know, she's an artist. She's she's all the stuff that, you know, cool kids would want to be. And and it almost seemed like in some instances sometimes she was just filling a gap. She was filling a role until, like I say, the episode where she's training with the Darksaber and then it got real. And I remember even kind of getting choked up with her scenes there because I'm like, Wow, this character has so much depth to her and what's going on in her life, you know, and and she hasn't forsaken the honor of Mandalore, but it, you know, but in a way, it, it's been taken from her. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is this a character that you were on board with this whole time? You know, I'm a Hera guy, um, but where have you stood with Sabine? And and then how do how do you deal with this this hero's journey? How do you feel about this this kind of hero's journey that suddenly got snuck in on us in a way? I mean, I've always had an inclination to like her because she's a Mandalorian and then also because she's just really cool looking. But I agree with you that through the first two seasons or so, she was kind of a letdown for me because she just really didn't do a lot. Like you said, she was very much filler. She didn't, she had really cool moments, but it was mostly just around what she could blow up. There was never depth to her character. And then obviously in season three, that started to grow. And then we get all the dark saber stuff and, I've liked this whole part of really getting to know her 
and to understand her. And I think, especially when she's with the Duchess and Bo is talking to her and trying to get her to understand, because she does turn around and use the weapon on the Imperials, and she has to come to a realization within herself that that's not how they do things. And if she is going to be a leader and going to be a Mandalorian, true Mandalorian, and be accepted back into her clan and into her family, she has to make the right choice here. And I think that it was a perfect moment for her. And in a way, it's also a learning moment for Ezra, I'm hoping, for him to be able to see somebody that I think that he even kind of looked up to making those hard choices and having to go through this in her life, you know, because he is still younger than her and having to watch all of that and be a part of it. I think that that could be, could play in the future in regards to Ezra and their relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if you go back to the first season, there was the episode where they found those weird dark creatures on that one asteroid that bat things. Yeah. I forget what they're called. Fear knocks, right? Yes. Um, yes. And and the and the first people to find that were Sabine and Hera, and that whole episode was about Sabine not trusting everybody. Um, Aaron, where do you? Th uh, and I and I don't mean to go back too far and get too deep, but but do you think there was a shift in the focus of how they were going to treat Sabine, or do you think the not trusting came out of? Her situation with the Imperial Academy and and what going on? Where where did that whole concept of her character having to learn to trust this family come from? Do you think in in universe? I should um, say. Yeah, I think it might just be the time of life that she was in mm -hmm. at that point, like being a teenager and trying to figure out who you trust, who you don't trust, who who may potentially be a danger, somebody that could hurt you, and she hadn't opened up yet to the crew and fully trusted them. And I think that that whole episode with her and Hera um, trying to survive together, I think was a big part of her building that trust with that group. So, and she's had a really interesting story arc throughout um, all four seasons now. Mm -hmm. I think she's grown a ton as a character and I've personally become a lot more interested in her as a character. Whereas before she, it was kind of just like, eh, you know, she seems to be there and she has cool armor but she never really seemed to play into the bigger story. Mm -hmm. But now with the Mandalorians becoming such a, you know, a big role in what's going on and they may actually be able to use the Mandalorians in the, in the battle against the empire. Um, suddenly she's playing a pivotal role, which uh, makes her much more interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they've done a really good job of bringing this character around in the past season or so and, and, and making it something that, that everyone can kind of glom onto. Um, I think uh, I, I want to jump in on this trust issue yeah. thing here. I think that it's also she doesn't trust herself. And, you know, she says in this episode when, uh, you know, she's explaining why she would build a weapon that would destroy her own people. You know, she said she was young and she was arrogant. You know, she's outcast from her family, from her clan, from the Mandalorians because she designed weapons that could destroy them. You know, she, she, as part of the ghost crew early on, it's like, these are the only people that are going to take her in, but she doesn't really trust herself. She's carrying this 
this tremendous guilt and this loss being exiled from her clan. She can't go back to her family. They, they don't want her back. You know, that, that's a lot for her to be carrying. And, you know, she knows that it's her own fault. So I think that in a large part, that episode with Kanan training her with the Darksaber is, is as much, if not more, about him getting her to believe in herself and to trust herself again than it is actually using the weapon, mm-hmm. using the Darksaber. And I think that in particular, these last five, six, seven, eight episodes with her, it's really her coming to grips with what she did and moving on from that and trusting herself. And then through that, she's now trusting other people. And we see that when she gives the dark saber, dark saber to Bo, she trusts that Bo is truly the right person to wield this dark saber and to unite the clans. Well said. I, I couldn't Might say any- drop. Yeah, exa- right, with that, I'm going to sign off. Well, it's not going <laughs> to, you're not gonna get anything better. You can't t- Good night, everybody. <laughs> George Costanza out. Well, we are we're about to we're about to get some final thoughts in here. But before we do, I want to mention one more time for everyone: tops uh, tops collecting trading cards. They're they're the name in collectible trading cards since 1950 when they started putting baseball cards into their gum packages. The gum's gone now. It's all cards. And right now, speaking of rebels at tops.com, their on demand set. They've got a rebel season four preview set. That's just there for just a couple more days. When you hear this, if you didn't pick the, if you don't get out, grab this episode the moment it's released, and you'll probably miss this. You've got about two days remaining, or while supplies last, to pick up this set online at tops.com. I saw Tops tweet out that each set that you buy has an exclusive um, autograph card in it. So check out the season four preview set at tops.com. Uh, check out the Star Wars Card Trader app. You can trade with friends of with cards from all across the different Star Wars saga. And, of course, their Journey to the Last Jedi card set is out right now at retailers and card shops and hobby shops everywhere. So pick those up. They're fun to collect. It's fun to trade. It's fun to find fun things in the cards. You know, whenever you pull that elusive sketch card or autograph card, or you just complete the set. It's just, it, it's such a good time. I, I love collecting cards. And uh, as many of you know, rediscovered that love about a year ago. And um, and it's just been so much fun doing these things and, and actually going through packs and hoping that I find the one card that I need. And when you finally do, it's that neat feeling of just, oh, relief and, and, and elation all at one time. Rejo- rediscover the joy of collecting. Rediscover tops. Tops.com and all their different tar- trading, trading card apps on the uh, iPhone App Store and Google Play. So, uh, well, guys, we'll wrap this up. I, I'll tell you one of my favorite sequences in these two episodes, uh, and it was, according to the trivia, taken, you know, inspired by the truck scenes from the Indiana Jones movies, The Last Crusade, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. But that was one of my favorite sequences was the chase with those Imperial transports. As a kid growing up, I had an Imperial troop transport also known as a prisoner transport uh, that Kenner made that was something that was never on screen. It was always just off screen, but it looked like it fit into the rest of the Star Wars vehicle line. And uh, seeing those things in action and, and, and the chase with the different speeder bikes and everything and, the, and that speeder bike sound effect that was there. And then when Ezra punched through the bottom of the one with his lightsaber 
And then he just slides back with that lightsaber through that. I just thought, what a cool moment. What did Ezra think I was going to do? Hold on for him? No, it's going to slice through the metal. And it was very much like when Indy ties himself off and gets drugged by the vehicle. And all. It, was, it was just a great sequence, you know, that ended in a literal cliffhanger type moment, um, you know, where, where Ezra just barely gets out of it and gets away. And uh, that's one of the highlights of, of both of these episodes for me. Um, so uh, final thoughts as we wrap this thing up, Erich, on these two episodes. We even got the... I thought I lost you line. Yes, yes. At the end of it. The only thing that needed to happen was Ezra's biker scout helmet needed to blow in in front of him. And it just would have been perfect. Um, you know, like Indy's hat blew in front of him after the, the cliff scene. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I love these. I, look, I'm, like, I'm so excited that it's back. I'm so excited for the season. I watched the little teaser clip that they posted online for... Monday's episode and oh it's... my god! And I, I haven't seen that yet. What's what's happening Monday? What was that? Oh my god! For you, because you um, like... it's like I'm so pumped. Yeah, I'm yeah. So, so was I. I was just like, I want this now. Well, tell me, what was it? It's Hera and Wedge and another pilot, and they're all flying like they're all flying damaged Y wings back to the Yavin Temple base. Yes. And oh they're coming in hot and like everybody's like going into emergency mode. Cause they're, they're flying these things in and they're going to crash. And oh, wow. just was awesome. No, but uh, have you seen the one they posted today with saw and Mon Mothma going at it? Yes. Yes. That, I saw that, that was too. the that one that was I was great. Also, they're both very, Oh my God. <laughs> Haven't seen any of these. It saw just taunting all of the, uh, taunting the, the rebel leaders for not being as, uh, not, basically doing what he does is great. Teresa, you got final thoughts on these episodes? Anything we've missed and something you want to touch on before we go? I think overall it was really well done. Uh, probably if I had to pick a favorite moment, well, there's probably two, but the first one is when her and her dad go into this argument about her artistic style and what she's doing. And he says, I think you would have grown up a bit. And she's like, well, I did this and this and this. And I was just like, well, that's great. (laughs) It was, it was pretty awesome. Um, and then also the moment that all the clans are like, I clan whatever's with you. Like Mm -hmm. that was just, it was a beautiful moment. And the music was so great great. too. Yeah. It was, and there's some moments where you get Sabine's theme and it just pulls at you. And they, it made me cry a couple of times, you know, cause her, her, her theme is sad. Yeah. It's a very, very sad theme. I was very, Um, I was very aware of the music in these episodes and it, and, and it was really good and really well used the music throughout. Yeah, so, I mean, overall, I think it was a great opener to mm-hmm. the season, and it looks like what we're, they're just going to come at us, so I hope everybody's prepared, because it's going to get emotional up in here. Aaron, you got any final thoughts for us? Yeah, it was a really cool episode. I really, I love Mandos, so these were fun episodes for me to watch. Um, I was a little disappointed in her dad. He was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I was expecting him to be a little bit cooler. Um, well, we, and we spent so much time talking about him, you know? Yeah. Uh, Uh, (laughs) and my, one of my favorite moments probably would be when Kanan dropped down into that transport and like kind of all the lights turned off. Oh, yes. 
uh, with the troopers around, kind of lit up with the lightsaber. I thought that was really visually. That very scene cool. reminded me a little bit of the the last shot of Vader in Rogue One. Yeah. You know, I had that same kind yeah. of feeling, like this is awesome. It reminded me of that moment in Winter Soldier when Cap's like, "If anyone wants to get out, now's the time." <laughs> right. And then and K- Kanan's got that great line to her. He's like, "Oh, I'm not leaving." Yes. Oh, good stuff. Good and, stuff. And then when he like the transport's going full speed, and normally if you had to jump off a transport, you'd have to kind of roll with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just like steps off it, like like it's just the easiest thing he's ever yeah. done. Yeah, which was a really cool visual as well. Gar, uh, Fen Rao, awesome character. I hope we see more of him, even if we don't see more of the Mandalorians. And those Saxons seems like the same haircut. Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, my my Snoke theory for this episode: uh, Tiber Saxon is Snoke. <laughs> the Emperor showed him the glory of the Empire. So that is it. That's uh, that's how we open up season four of Star Wars Rebels and Rebel Yell. Disney Vault Talks Rebel Yell. We thank everyone for joining us and being a part of the discussion live at Mixer.com slash Goliverse. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. It's good to talk to you as always. Uh, everyone check out Aaron Goins. He's at AV Goins on the Twitter. You can listen. He's got his uh, Doctor Who podcast called Bad Wolf Radio. You can check out their... I th- I, Still, to my knowledge, the only Freemaker Adventures podcast on the internet, Star Scavengers, so check that out. And, of course, he and Teresa do Star Wars bookworms together, covering the written word of the Star Wars universe. Arish is at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter. Reach out to him there. Give him a pass the corn. And, uh, you know, holler at him with all your hate for his Porg hatred. Um, That was all him. He hates Porgs. Arish hates Porgs. Hashtag. I had, to, I had to take the pressure off of Aaron. He, I couldn't allow him to be the only one out there. <laughs> uh, Teresa is at Ice Cold Penguin on the Twitter, and uh, you can reach out to her there. You can email Vault Talk at vaulttalk at gmail.com. Vault Talk at G- Disney Vault Talk at G- Teresa. No. Dad gummit. Vault Talk at gmail.com. Thank Two you. G's in the middle. That's, that's right. And, uh, and don't forget about uh, our Facebook group, The Guardians of the Goliverse. You can get there easily by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. And uh, a lot of good discussion going on over there. And uh, we are having a great time there at that Facebook group. And we appreciate everyone joining in and having a good time over there. You can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse on Twitter. If you're so inclined, follow Disney Vault Talk at Vault Talk on the Twitter. So that, no? What was I wrong there? <laughs> Our Twitter, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Disney Vault Talk on both. What did I say? Just, you, no, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> well, the Emperor showed me. <laughs> Good old Sheev showed you the way. Sheev showed me the way. Show me the way. Oh, show me the way. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining us. For Aaron Goins, for Eric Schernevise, for Teresa Delgado, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Rebel Yell. May the Force be with you. Who put a question mark in the teleprompter?